All right, Chris, what would you prefer? A little swag surfing for the intro or uh, or a little uh, early times and cheer wine? Uh, what are you feeling like for the celebration? I feel like after back-to-back victories, we should do a little uh, fight song. A little fight song? Are we allowed to do a fight song? Do we have the rights to that or permission? Probably not. Probably I can just not. get I can just get the video of uh, Willie Taggart doing it, uh, doing the fight song, and then then just free diving into uh, into his team. I think that'd be a fun one too. All right, guys, welcome to Knowles Twenty Four Sevens on the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sano, and I'm joined by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, not able to join us today. Uh, so I'm kind of rusty with actually hosting these like post game breakdown things here. So Chris is going to have to carry us. We're on four hours of sleep, uh, but but we have a fun a fun topic to talk about, and that's a win. It's uh, Florida State uh, 31, NC State 13, a palindrome. FSU palindromed them. You like that, Chris? No, somebody else brought that up last night. <clears throat> Tim Winnefelt, and uh, I just told him it proved the nerdum that we are. Well, it is a pretty nerdy group of writers that, that, that are covering this team, uh, as evidenced by this this whole week. But uh, all right, so we want to talk about this because it, it feels good, man. Like, this is actually was a fun game. I wrote about it afterwards, and the more I kind of I slept on it, went back, rewatched the game this morning. As we recap this game, man, it feels like legitimately good to have won that game. This is the first time that I, I don't know when was the last time you felt this way after a game, like where you were excited and happy about the product on the field for like the majority of the game. It, it feels like it's been a while. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Do you remember the Do you remember I the mean, exact game? No, the end of twenty sixteen though felt that way, where they were playing at a fairly decently high level, putting things together to some degree. It hasn't been that way. I guess maybe the Florida game, Jimbo's last game, could be another one you could throw into that category. But there Just hasn't been a Florida. whole lot in the last couple of years. I mean, the thing is, NC State, I don't think, is a particularly good opponent. But FSU played well, and they played four quarters. And while there were you know issues, eight sacks, for example, offensive line looking poor, uh, penalties, plenty of things you can point out in general – they played and they just kept playing and they got three and outs and they found success on offense and they responded when they needed to respond. It was just good. It leaving the stadium last night was the best I felt after a game in the Willie tag area, just about where FSU stood, where they're trying to go to. And that felt like they finally had some sense of a direction. And in general, I think players feel like there's a weight off their shoulders to some degree of all of these things that they just keep reoccurring and they keep doing. I, I feel like that's gone to some degree with back-to-back victories. Now, are they going to go out and lose their next game? Probably. If we're just being straight up serious about who the opponent is and what they're doing and where they're going. But the thing is that it feels like they're, they're starting to chip away at some of those issues that it seemed like they couldn't get over the hump on. Now they still have others they have to do that with, but it, it's starting to feel that way a bit. The ball's rolling in the right direction. And that's what I think is is important. It's not just that they won and not necessarily even just the way they won, which you got into, Chris. Like it was a pretty consistent effort throughout the entire game. Going with that, it's because it's led in to this moment, into the 31-13 victory. It wasn't just the one game within itself because we saw them against Boston College last year play a pretty pretty good game, but, but that was bookended by not so good performances. Uh, this was like since the Virginia game, which they lost and, and had some just horrific play at the end of the game, just poor execution, brain farts, just looking on discipline, like issues that have haunted them uh, since even before Willie Taggart ha- has gotten to Florida state, but it's kind of been the hallmark of his, 
his first year and change. But even since that game, like at least they were playing hard. And we talked about that then. And then the next week, you know, you come out against Louisville again, you play hard and it just kind of keeps materializing into this where it's now you're okay. You're playing hard and you're starting to play a little smarter too. Defense is playing much more aggressively than it has all season. That improvement's been really, really impressive. The offense maybe took a step back in general, but, but yeah, man, it's like, it's been this, this buildup to something that feels a little sustainable. Now it's only been two games, two wins in a row, uh, but it's been three games of playing better in conference play. You have the bye week you have a little momentum, you have some things to, to probably legitimately feel good about. Like you said, Clemson, uh, you probably, I think we know what that's going to be against the defending national champions, but, but you also have the feeling like this team can go in there and not get embarrassed, which I don't know if we thought that was going to be the case at the beginning of the season or even, even, you know, three or four weeks ago. So let's get into the game. What we saw, I think we've both had time to kind of go back and, and rewatch the game at this point and do some analysis, look at some statistics. Uh, I want to start with the defense because that was clearly the performance to, to focus on when you're looking at positives. FSU allows 370 yards to NC State, 24 first downs, but really that the money downs, you know, NC State's four of 16 on third down, one of three on fourth downs, and just 4.6 yards per play. Chris, is fair to say the best defensive performance of the season for Florida State to date? Yeah, I thought the linebackers played the best they have this year, even though they got kind of exploited some in the passing game, but that's what NC State does is they attack the middle of the field, short and intermediate passes, so the linebackers not having a great day in that regard isn't really that surprising if you know what NC State does. But I thought in general, the defense played very well. I thought tackling was pretty good overall. I thought physicality was great. I thought they played with speed, aggression. Dontavious Jackson looked like late season Dontavious of last year, not boneheaded Dontavious of earlier of this year. Um, I, you know, Marvin And how about, those still, da- how about those dance moves after the game? I don't pay attention to such things like you do. Uh, Marvin Wilson playing like a full grown man, Corey Durden. Uh, I loved it. That looked like old school Corey last night with the fire, the emotion, the passion of playing the game. He had it. Um, he was angry about penalties, but he also was playing aggressive. You Two weeks in a row that. for him like that too. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, yeah. that's again, another trend that we like. Yep. J Rob makes a great play and gets screwed by officiating. I don't care what anybody thinks that's not a freaking targeting. Uh, let's talk about a offici- let's detour real quick. We'll get back to defense. Let's talk about officiating real quick. You, you're not going to get in trouble. You're, you're not going to get fined. It was completely, I mean, it was utterly disastrous. They were horrible. <sighs> you know, we, we have pictures of guys getting their helmets turned sideways and there's no flag. There were holdings on FSU and on, uh, on NC state not called. And they were obnoxious edge play holding, springing a run or springing a pass. Like they impacted the play greatly and they were just ignored. That crew sucked. I mean, they were horrible. The ACC, the ACC should be embarrassed by the guys they run out there in stripes on a weekly basis, and the fact that games fall apart, and every damn game has some stretch where we have a review and we're not sure where the ball is supposed to be, and it takes you know nine to fifteen minutes to figure out what the hell we're doing, even though we're paid to do this job. It is, it's embarrassing. It's crap. John Swafford and those people that work in the offices in Greensboro, they don't give a damn. They're not doing anything to fix it, and it's just completely crap. Is FSU their own worst enemy in that regard? Yeah, they are. They do a lot of stupid things, and they get called for it. But last night, they – I mean, Hampton gets pro- called for one. Janarius yeah. gets called for one. Janarius gets tossed for a great sack, a great football play. What the hell is a six foot five guy supposed to do to a six foot one quarterback when he ducks his head? 
you know, it's not hitting with the crown of your helmet when you're driving through your shoulder. The reason the crown of the helmet may have had contact is the quarterback dropped the crown of his helmet. So give me right. a break. It's a football play. Um, what do you want? I, I, what, what do you want Janarius to do? Like the other option is for him to run shoot, through his to, leg and break the kid's leg. Yeah, that's the other that's, option is for him to go option. low. And I'm sure the quarterback so. would rather you go high than low. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. I'm no, I'm not really not one to complain about officiating, but uh, probably about three or four penalties that that should not have been called were called on Florida State, uh, and a lot was allowed to to be played by NC State. Uh, some plays that should have probably been reviewed, like before the Cam Akers touchdown, uh, the the Alex Hornbrook scramble. Yeah, it was worth it, it was worth taking. It seemed like a bad spot. It was probably worth taking a look at. It would have been close either way, but uh, the spot was bad and and whatever, man. Like it's just it's not good. All right, I'll let you get back to the defense. It was that was poopy last night though. It was poopy. Yeah, yeah. Poop. But I mean, all you need to know about officiating is last week the guy who ran the crew was suspended for the Duke Miami debacle. But here he is several years later, still working in the same league, working, you know, league games. So that's all you need to know about officiating. There's no reinforcement of being bad at your job. You just you move on the next week and you keep doing it. All right. Defense. Back to defense. Do you talk about Amari Gaynor yet? Let's talk about Amari Gaynor. Local boy did well. You know, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. I think nine tackles total. Amari's a guy that we liked every time he got reps in games earlier this year. He's been forced more into duty with Jaden Lars would be being knocked out. Duty. He stepped he stepped up and he played some ball. I mean, he, he's he's a guy that gets after. He's got a tenacity to him. He plays more physical than his build would make you think he can, and he just gets after. He can play to all levels of the field. He can play to pass. He can play to run. He's kind of that you know uh, Swiss Army knife you want on the edge there. That position he fits what they want to do at that three four edge position better than anybody else currently on this roster, in my opinion. Kind of perplexing that Leonard Warner was playing in space for as many games as he did. Uh, I like Leonard off the edge as a as a rusher. He looks much more comfortable inside that, that middle linebacker. Not great, but more competent than he did outside. And, and why Amari wasn't getting a little bit more run there when that was their one-two punch before they moved Jaden over, I don't know. But uh, – I do think we, we need to focus on like the, the play that Gaynor made at the end of the game with you know about minute 30 left. NC State, so he gets a sack on the very next play. NC State down you know, 31-13. At this point, game's out of hand. They're just trying to score and close the gap a little bit, see what happens. Uh, but but you know, FSU, the, the game's not really uh, within uh, – within uh, the game's not on the line at this point. And NC State completes a pass. Uh, the receivers go into the end zone. Amari was probably about – almost 10 yards away from the ball at the time uh, it was completed. He busts his butt, dude, to get over there, um, makes a, just a clean uh, tackle with with going after the football to force a fumble. Emmett Rice dives on it. I asked Willie Taggart about it after the game and, and whether that's an example of this team learning how to close and how to finish games. And he was like, yeah, he's a, a, a few weeks ago, we probably don't dive on that football. And he's right. You think back to the to the D-Jax play. So, so to me, that that – resemble or that basically signified uh, everything that we like about the direction of this defense right now would you agree with that like that showed what the hustle the effort the energy it's all there and and i think that's why people like what they saw yesterday because guys are trying hard yeah i'd agree with that i think another example to point to is that the secondary did a good job coming downhill and trying to play more physical than we've seen them be this year it's something that we saw a lot on tuesday in a brief viewing period of practice and we saw some guys do it really effectively in the game. I thought Asante Samuel Jr.'s pass breakup on the sideline that he nearly picked was 
about the best play he's made in an FSU uniform, especially this year. Um, you know, they got their hands on a lot of balls. They had a lot of opportunities. They didn't come away with the picks. You hope those come in time, but they were in position to do it. I thought the secondary had their best performance of the year yesterday. Still stuff to clean up. I still think that group for the talent it possesses can play at a much higher level and be a strength of this team. But it was the best performance I thought we had out of that group this year. And if you got the run defense and you're able to create a pass rush, then the secondary is the next thing to come along that you would expect to have good returns. And uh, and real quick, I, I do think it's worth noting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a proponent of things usually aren't coincidental. Uh, Jim Levitt arrives, and uh, and from, since the time he's he's been on campus, FSU's defense has played harder and and more physical. And uh, do we at least attribute at least a little bit of this to somewhat of a Levitt effect? I'm not asking for like a percentage, Chris, but but at least some. Doesn't seem yeah, like it's a coincidence. I, I, I certainly think that's the case. I also think the embarrassment of the ULM performance has played a part that that was very much a look in the mirror kind of game for the defense. And they've turned it around a great deal since that point. The run defense actually was pretty good against Boise. I know Boise ran for a lot, but they made Boise work for a lot. But mm. the difference between Boise and now is that they're making the tackles when they have the opportunities early in the plays to, you know, the, the run, the, the run fits man are night and day from the Boise oh, game. Oh, yes. Like that's it's, it's, more than anything, it's changed that in the Boise game, they were in position to make plays and they failed to do it, which is why the stats look poor and why the, you know, it is mm-hmm. poor. The difference now is that the stats look good because they're making a play when it's there. It's not the third or fourth guy making a play. It's the first or second guy. And when the first guy makes contact, there's a gang of tacklers coming. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you see a defense that kind of looks like it's flying around the field again. Yeah instead of being a hesitant bunch who is just waiting for the next shoe to drop and something to screw up. I, th- I think the last time we saw a defense consistently fly around to the ball was 2015, you know, kind of that, that no name defense outside of Jalen and Derwin and DeMarcus. It was those guys and a bunch of, you know, fifth year seniors, essentially. Uh, that was the last time we saw a group really, really fly around. And to your point, Chris, uh, per pro football focus, FSU had eight missed tackles yesterday. I think the week before they had 16, like the tackling itself is getting better. So, all right, take, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to offense, Alex Hornerbrook's performance, and just kind of some big-picture stuff as we go into the bye week. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. Now let's get into the the not-so-pretty side of FSU's performance. Uh, FSU scores 31 points, but... Maybe don't feel super great about it. FSU gives up eight sacks, which do we end up getting confirmation? Is that the most ever in, in school history, Chris? 
According to the game notes yesterday, yes, we were trying to think of some games where FSU quarterbacks got beat up over the years. We looked those up. None of them were in that ballpark of being eight. So as far as we know, that is the most sacks ever allowed in one game by FSU's offensive line in, or offense. And so the sacks, and we're going to get into the reasons why in a little bit here, because um, I think people want to point fingers and blame offensive line. Someone to blame Hornibrook when it's that bad. The answer is yes. Like it's, it's everyone's everyone's culpable, but. Uh, beyond just that, like 14 tackles for loss uh, in Cam Akers, I would think like 95% of his uh, 83 rushing yards came after contact. So the offensive line in general really struggled, I think. In pass protection and run blocking, Alex Hornerbrook, in my opinion, did not really help himself a ton too. Uh, running into pressures or not getting rid of the ball quickly enough. It just, I think this was the... This was a realization, or at least a reminder, that this offensive line has been hit up and covered really well by Kendall Bryles and Randy Clements. Uh, but this was a reminder that, man, it's still a unit that's very much so underwhelming in, in just about every every single area from left to right. Yeah, NC State's secondary is an unimpressive group, but they know they have some stuff up front that they can get after, and that was their decision. They decided we're going to go after it. We're going to clog lanes. We're going to be aggressive at the point of attack. We're going to go after it. And they had a lot of success. They had those three straight drives where they just took it to FSU physically up front. FSU came back and scored the touchdown. I believe it was a Tamorian Terry touchdown after those three drives. That was a pretty important moment. FSU kind of, you know, got a little quicker with getting the ball out, getting rid of it, trying to, you know, uh, allow. Is that the first touchdown drive you're, you're talking? Terry had two. You're talking yes. about the first one, yeah. that slant yes. pattern that he that he housed? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, the O line's not any good. Like, let, let's not overemphasize or overthink it. The O line's just not good. They weren't good last year, and they aren't much better this year. And we always knew there was never going to be a significant jump for them. It's just, it's impossible to happen with the people at their disposal. It's not there. I think the biggest thing is that NC State made the decision of that's how we're going to go after FSU, and they have found a lot of success. And did Horny Brook do himself no favors? No doubt. He held on to it way too much. He owned that in his post-game interview, saying he needed to get rid of it better. He needed to make better decisions. He needed to be quicker with some things. There was no doubt about that. Is some of it on the yellow line? Yes. Abdul Bello was atrocious in that game. He was horrible. Awful. The fact that we're clamoring for Juwan Williams to come back <laughs> is the sad state of affairs that we live in with the yellow line. I don't, need to see my, I, don't, I don't need to see Mike Arnold a whole lot more either, too. They need to kind of cut the starting him over Dante Lucas thing out, I think. That's, that's not making a whole lot of sense either. Sorry, go on. The Cam Akers running game, I mean, he had maybe two, three good holes on, what, 17 carries. So he had to do a whole hell of a lot of his own work. I thought Cam ran like a man yesterday. I was very happy to see him get rewarded on that fourth and short, going for the 40-yard touchdown run. You know, he earned that. He earned that with a lot of banging running plays throughout the game that he stuck with. It, it wasn't beautiful, but NC State wanted to muck it up some. That was sort of the plan of attack was they wanted to – make it a fight in the trenches and they took it to FSU and FSU's not very good at that. FSU's going to have other issues this year with that. I think the key for FSU is, you know, figuring out the plays they can go to when they have to have a play and being good at executing those plays and trying not to take too big of lumps when the lumps come. You can't take eight significant sack lumps like that. You have to figure out when you have to take it. Sometimes there's going to be instances where you need to stand in, you need to look down the field and you might have to take the sack because nothing developed. But there's other instances where you got to get the hell, the ball the hell out of your hand, get it out of bounds, get done with it. And that's what they got to get better at. They got to figure out when to take the punches and when to, you know, fight another day. 
And I, I thought there were some decent adjustments made at, at various points in the game by the offensive staff, like the first couple series, uh, some longer developing plays. And uh, when they made the decision to start going a little quicker and they saw what NC State was giving them, uh, credit to Hornibrook, like he he made the open throws. Uh, they only go deep twice, but he connects on both of them. When I say deep, I mean 20, 20 yards plus. Uh, you know, seeing the Terry slot, like right, or the Terry uh, slant pattern for a touchdown, like right before that play. I was like, no, he's not only one-on-one, but he's one-on-one with like no help inside or over the top. Um, and and so that was good for them to see that, identify and hit it. And then the the Pokey Wilson play, which, you know, Pokey has a career game all across the board. Uh, four, four, let's see, four catches, 91 yards, a touchdown. Uh, he only had five targets, made the most of them. Uh, you know, that double move, that was a really crisp pattern by him. Again, one-on-one coverage, though. Hornerbrook puts everything he can into the throw to, to make it, but he, he hits, he hits pokey in stride. It's a touchdown. So, uh, you know, credit for FSU for making the big splash plays when they had to, I think that was telling with the way NC state was approaching that game with, with trying to force him to go deep as we go forward. And again, we had the bye week and then Clemson coming up. It'd be interesting to see how they manage the quarterback situation. James Blackman was someone who practiced at times during the week. We were getting Intel that, that he was practicing more progressively throughout the week. Uh, it, Willie said they ended up having a setback on Friday. Uh, I I don't know, man. There was some gamesmanship going on, and and even when we reported that, like we we tried to hedge our bets so much with it because we were hearing different things from different people, and it sounded like both were going to be able to play and both in the game plan. Uh, ultimately, we obviously only see Alex Hornerbrook, but uh, I, I thought seeing what the defense did to attack. Hornerbrook was eye-opening to like what James brings to the table, which is, you know, he he's can scare you a little bit with his with the ability to push the ball downfield. Uh, some even though he hasn't been particularly accurate this year with downfield throws, he can at least scare you and, and and hit that. So, you mentioned Chris like a week ago or a few days ago, like about the two quarterback system. I'm still very much so a proponent of that, uh, depending on on who's the hot hand and and what you're playing to with strengths each week. Did you come away kind of feeling the same? Yeah, it's a tough balance because you don't want to not allow a guy to get in rhythm and pull him too early, or you don't want to diminish a guy's confidence because he has one bad drive and you go away from him. But at the same time, the ceiling for the two guys, I feel very similar. You know, with James, he's a little, he's capable of throwing it deeper, quicker, with less effort. I'm not saying he gets rid of it quicker than Alex. I'm just saying it takes him less to go vertical, and he's capable of going further vertical than Alex. Alex showed that he can go vertical with the 39-yard, I think it was 39-yard left side pass down the visitor sideline for a touchdown, but it took every ounce of his being to get the ball there. But he did it. I thought the thing that they adjusted well with Alex yesterday was when they had one-on-one, putting the receiver underneath the DB, getting a throw where he could face the receiver, and then letting the receiver's athleticism take over. We saw that with Tamori and Terry's touchdown catch where he flashed out. He's an elite athlete. You know, I thought they did some of that well. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of Trey McKitty with Hornibrook. I thought we would see that yesterday, especially with the way they were being so aggressive. But they also were having to keep Trey in and tight end and some to help block. So I think there's some of that. But as far as the two quarterback system, yeah, I think that's a step going forward. If one guy becomes kind of the clear cut, he's your best option. And maybe you ride that and you go away from it. But I, I don't think you need to be married to either of the two guys. But I also don't think you need to walk away from either of the two guys. Rick finishes the game. 29 of 40 for 316 yards, three touchdowns, good for a pass rating of 163.6. Career uh, high in passing yards, career yep. high equals a career high in attempts. And uh, and one other note, too, that I, that I think we should put out there, 
10 different receivers uh, had receptions. Uh, actually, 10 different receivers had at least two receptions. So he spread the ball around well. It was good to see some guys like Warren Thompson get involved. Uh, Keith Gavin, who's blocked his butt off the last couple of weeks, has a couple of catches too. So it was good to see uh, some guys. Can we, uh, can, we, can we talk about the Trace Harrison stat line? Yeah, yeah let's go Let's go for it. Incredible weather. Five receptions, seven yards, six targets. I mean, how the hell do you only get seven yards? Like, I get it. They're doing a lot of quick passes, screen stuff. And if it's not blocked up, he can't get it. I believe his long was nine. So he actually finished with less yards than his longest reception on five receptions. That's just that stat line. I don't know why it kept grabbing my attention after the game last night of like, man. And it's not a knock on Trayshawn. They're going to eventually break one of those screens. And I get what they're trying to do with him. But it's just amazing when you have that many at bats that you had such little production come with it. There was a one play where they did like the little, uh, not the pop pass, like the um, like the jet sweep, and they just kind of you know the little shovel pass or whatever it is, where it's a handoff but technically a pass, and uh, he gets like flung around and spun around and, and stays up and loses like five or six yards on that play. So that right there, uh, kind of does you know impacts the stat line, but I like that they're trying to get him involved. Like he's oh I he's, he's been efficient, so yeah, and that's gonna be that's yeah, that. He, he, he had the same number of receptions as Tormoy and Terry. <laughs> 70 last 70 yards. Yards. I mean, it's, just, it's just crazy. So. <laughs> and that was them trying to like extend the run game with him too. And, and yeah. they, they weren't having that either. I mean, NC state's defense is not super talented, uh, but, but played well. They're, and you can tell a well-coached group. Um, yeah. They're coached yeah. well up front. They, yeah. I, I was very uh, unimpressed by NC state. It's amazing from a, not that they've ever been loaded with talent, but man, you know, I think my the kid I liked the most on that team probably was Reggie, the running back who messed up, I believe, his ankle and had to leave in the air cast. Person. They they just – yeah, Ricky Person. They were just unimpressive. Like they, they underwhelmed the hell out of me. I, I knew their offense was not very good from looking at stats, but holy heck, Matthew McKay cannot play quarterback. You want to talk yeah. about noodle arm issues? Ooh. He won't He won't play for them again. Um, and yeah. ba- Bailey Hockman got a – Got tossed around a little bit. It seemed like the Florida State players uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. Is is the yeah. uh, overwhelming uh, notion that I got from them talking to them post game and just seeing them react during the game too. Yeah, apparently we just need quarterbacks to keep transferring out to schools we play, and we'll, we'll have a very uh, energetic defensive effort. Did you see the FSU scheduling Hampton for a uh, for a makeup game later this season? I'm just messing with you because DeAndre Francois is there. Play along. I will. I will come through the screen. <laughs> just I will whoop you. Okay. I, I will treat you like FSU's O line treats their own quarterback. Oh my god. Can um, we talk about Ricky Aguayo? Real, real quick, real quick. Yeah, I was gonna make a point about. I hope him. I never see him kick for FSU again. I don't think you like, have to just, worry about just that. Just move on from it. Be done I'm sur- I'm surprised that I'm su- well, not a whole lot surprises me. I guess. I, I thought that last week they should have been done with him. The body language, I mean, like in addition to the results, the body language, how bad he missed. This isn't like the first time this has happened. They were pissed off. Remember two, two years, years ago? They were, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just be done with it. Just move on. You know, it, put Parker out there. If it doesn't work, maybe try Fitzgerald. If it doesn't work, maybe you go back to Ricky. But like to me, that service, that duty, it's over. Like it's not worked out. The kid hasn't been effective and he's not reliable. And for the amount of kicks he has in his career and the amount of time you've invested in him, you're not getting return on the investment anymore. So just be done with it. No, I mean, once you lose confidence, like once you kind of revert into that shell, 
winking at you, Chris. Once you revert back into the shell, wow, I, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, you. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, once you lose that confidence in that position, that seems like a toughie. So. Yeah, I'm okay with the moving on there. I'm trying to think if there's anything else here that we want to get into about this specific game. Uh, I enjoyed the Keyshawn Helton kick return. That was good. So you know, I, I enjoy any kick return where FSU actually returns. I understand the logic and what they're doing with that, and I'm not complaining about it, but I do enjoy when there's a return. Just the ability for a huge play, a momentum shifter, I always enjoy that. And, uh, and on that play, too, when I was watching the review today, uh, I really enjoyed Jaleel McCray kind of like seeing that Helton was breaking it and, and hustling to try to get ahead and, and get a block and wasn't able to quite get there, but you know, he's trying to hustle, make a play. Brendan Gant, who, who didn't have a great couple, couple reps uh, within the context of the defense. You know, he's another true freshman out there trying to hustle team's still playing hard, man. And, and maybe that's our, our finishing point here as we wrap up the podcast is uh, after that ULM game and after the Boise State, so after the yeah, that that it, it was a one and one start that felt very much so zero and two, and uh, and the celebration of that game is something I wrote about yesterday. I remember the ULM game was just so somber and and surreal, and uh, we had heard things after the game that that players were starting to kind of check out, not taking Willie's message super seriously. Some guys kind of like like chuckling at what Willie was saying after the game and not really buying into him. That week of practice was real interesting. Uh, the DJ Matthews getting suspended was was something that kind of seemed like spilling over from that loss. There was a lot of question whether this team was starting to to quit on Willie already, and that was very much so. It felt like in play. Uh, they come out against Virginia, and they played really, really hard. Not well, but they played hard. And they've kept that going in the tune of two wins against two you know, subpar ACC teams. But the ACC is not great this year. I say all this, Chris. Uh, this team still seems like they're playing really hard for Willie Taggart. The post-game celebration to me, I thought was just felt so cathartic for this group felt cathartic. You felt like the stress from Willie Taggart just kind of washing away. Uh, I could do without Derek McClendon yelling. We back <laughs> probably. <laughs> hey, let the man have fun. He got his first but PT. It's not, I, it's, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm not offended by it by any means, but I think it shows that this team is still caring right now. I still think we're on fragile footing at Florida state. Like I still think a few bad things could really snowball. Um, but the fact that it's moving in a positive direction, you're seeing improvement each and every week uh, to me, man, like that's, that's meaningful. That's something I don't want to overlook and, and whether the product is, you know, subpar, average, above average, like there's growth and it feels good to see that. And we've been covering this program for a couple of years now without a whole lot of positives uh, to see guys trying. I, I, I'm happy. Like it's, it's refreshing. It's nice to see. Yeah. I, I think the thing going into a bye week, you feel good about yourself. You're preparing for arguably one of two, three best teams in the country. One that's been on top of the mountain for the last several years. It, it's now about going out and playing a really competitive game trying to be the best product you can be. It's not about winning or losing. It's about putting forth what you can be. I thought it was interesting that Willie volunteered last evening. That last week was arguably the best week of practice. I kind of get the feeling that's the best week of practice he's had at FSU. I think that's a positive. You build on that with two more good weeks of practice, kind of make up for a preseason where some things felt like they were squandered, especially on defense. And maybe you turn your attention to life after Clemson and having a really good back half of the season and performing well against a league that's not very good. Wake, Wake's going to give you a challenge probably, and obviously Clemson is. But after that, you know, Syracuse is probably your next most difficult game. So everything's very winnable in the league outside of that Clemson game. You're going to have to play well at Wake. 
and then try to make something of it. And then you got the wrap the year up with UF and hope you come out seven, five, eight, four, maybe a little better bowl eligible team. And you feel like you're back on track. The momentum has kind of propelled you into something good with a good off season to come. And maybe finally feel like you've gotten over all these hurdles that have kind of held you back where you've been stymied for the first 14 games of the regime here. And now you're kind of getting away from that finally. Worth noting that Willie Taggart himself said that he felt last week against Louisville was kind of a turning point for this team. We'll see. We'll see. Again, so a lot of things to work out. But like you said, Chris, you used the momentum word. I think David Hale, if he's listening to this, is is shivering in, in disgust. But It's a real thing. I don't care what any statistician, obsessed human being says. I mean, you know, you can't, uh, you can't quantify love, but, you know. Love is a real thing, man. I feel it every day, man. And I love you, and you love me. And it's uh, getting weird real quick. And and that's the end of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> please, uh, please, uh, don't. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling to stick the landing right here, Chris. It's been a while. What should I do? Uh, it, was, it was a late night, man. It was four hours. Two a.m. is always a. Well, for a late evening. I did want to tease that we may have like one or two episodes this week, but we're going to our bye week. So I don't want to promise on anything. We're not going to do our normal Thursday podcast because it's a bye week. Uh, if we do have one, Josh is working on getting a special guest or two for the week. So I don't want to over promise here. Uh, but but I think if we do have one, it'll be a, a fun guest who can kind of uh, drop some knowledge on us. So be on the lookout for that, I guess, but don't get mad at me if it doesn't happen. Is that a good way to end the podcast? Stick in the landing! <laughs>